0: Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits, Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Very excited today to be interviewing someone who's become a very good friend of mine. In fact, we were just in Cayman together for a few weeks, weren't we? We were. Lovely time. Yeah, great place to be. Uh, So, Mr Peter Jones. So, everyone who's listening and watching, Peter Jones is everyone. Everyone, this is Peter Jones.
1: Hello, Facebook.
0: Right, so we've got a secret, but we can't reveal it the end of the episode. Yeah, well, I'm very excited not. about this, and you're excited about this as well, aren't you? Very excited, you yeah. can see I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. had to twist <laughs> your arm on it, but let's get straight in. For those who don't know who you are, because actually, I think
1: you could blow your own trumpet a little bit more. Okay. So tell us what you've done in your career as a property investor, Peter. Right, well, first let me introduce myself. I'm Peter Jones, I'm a chartered surveyor, I'm an author, and I'm a property investor. And I have been in property all of my working life. I even went to university, to study property wow yeah wow mm-hmm. wasn't sure at the time whether it was the right thing to do but it's yeah. kind of just ended up happening right an accident of history yeah and on the back of that i then qualified as a chartered surveyor back in 1983 which is when we established you before. four yeah So say imagine how that makes me feel <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so i've been in property the whole of my working life and everything was great until about 1995 when i was made redundant I had a really, really good job at the time. I was a partner in a West End firm in London, and uh, my speciality at the time was commercial property. I was doing big commercial valuations all around the country for big multinational and corporate clients. Probably one of the most exciting valuations I had to do, if you can call it exciting, was valuing Clackett Lane service area. All oh, right. On the M25, I've found myself in this niche which not many people know about, which is valuing motorway service areas. Again, an accident of history. So in many
0: ways, and we'll finish the story in a minute, but in many ways, you've been doing, knowing and seeing two decades in advance, a lot of the things that the progressive community are doing, knowing and seeing now.
1: Yeah, in, in, a, in a sense. But I also think that the progressive community are very dynamic. And when I came here, which is perhaps we can talk about a little bit later, mm. I saw things which actually I'd never even imagined, right. despite the fact that I had all that experience yeah. and time in the property business, which is one of the reasons why I think progressive are so exciting.
0: Yeah. So go back to you got made
1: redundant. Yep. Yeah.
0: At that point, when you had your good job. Yeah, I didn't mean to do inverted commas like it's not a good job, but I meant job. Yeah, Were you also building a property portfolio on the side or did that come later?
1: No, no, later. Okay, Later. And in fact, it was a good job. The inverted commas are actually right because if you ever heard my story, you'll know that I was actually quite miserable. Yeah. Despite the fact that I had the, the company car, despite the fact that I had the good salary, the pension mm. plan, the title, because yeah. I was a salary partner and I was also the partner in charge of the West End office right. with about 30 people working for me. I was absolutely miserable. Hated it. Hated it. Corporate environment didn't suit me. That entrepreneurial bit of me wanted to burst out. But because I was married and still am married, and at the time had three children, now got four children, I felt I could never leave that job. And I felt I was trapped there for life. Right, And I just wanted to get out. And I just thought I was stuck. Yeah. So 1995 came along. I was called into my senior partner's conference. He called me into the conference room, which was a bit unusual. I thought, what's going on? and Geoffrey, the senior partner, was looking very agitated and he said, basically, Peter, we can't afford you any any longer. And of course, that coincided with the recession of the 1990s. The commercial property market had been bombed out and my speciality was redundant and so was I. And so I was out the door. So what did you do next? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I took a deep breath. <laughs> I looked at the redundancy check and realised it wasn't going to last too long. So the very first thing I did was I spoke to a relative and I borrowed a little bit of money and I bought a small terraced house in a nearby town. Which so was, you were JVing in 1995? Well, I told you you were doing yeah, without, without even knowing it. Yeah. Didn't even know what a JV was, yeah. but, I, but I borrowed the money, I found the house It was a classic probate where the poor gentleman had died in his bed and his neighbours came around three days later when they realised they hadn't seen him. But for my purposes it was perfect because he hadn't done anything since the 1930s and I spent about nine months doing a refurb which should have taken four months. (laughs) The, The reason being that I insisted on doing a lot of the work myself even though I cannot do DIY. Right. And in fact, in my home, my wife does the DIY because <laughs> she knows it'll be done properly. <laughs> so there I was trying to do this refurb, trying to do things which I shouldn't do. Big lesson, don't do it yourself, yeah. outsource it, leverage it, get somebody else to do it. Mm. So nine months later, I finished the refurb and sold the property and made a small profit. But I realized that that wasn't going to make me the income I needed. It made me a little profit, but I thought there must be a better way of doing this. Yeah. And it was at that point I started trying to look for the BRR model. Now. Of course, on Beginner's Day, Masterclass here at Progressive, we talk about the BRR model. I had nobody to teach me at that time. So it took me literally four years of working it out for myself, how to make property work. This is back in the late 90s. And nobody was talking about it. Nobody was writing about it. Nobody was teaching on it. And it was quite a struggle. Mm. But eventually I cracked it and I worked out how to pull all the different elements together, finding properties, finding for those people listening who don't know what BRR model is yet, that is... The buy, refurbish and refinance model, which allows us to to get all your money back out, Yeah, Yeah, if you can add enough value to the property. Yeah, Because that was the very early days of buy to let. And as you have kindly alluded to, you were reading my emails around about that time and I, I probably wrote the very first book on buy to let. In fact, I'm sure it was the very first book right. on buy to let wow yeah
0: 2006 I started following your work right
1: well this good would luck, have been yeah. back in 2000 I got my first book out there wow so, because I realized nobody was talking about it yeah. and and there was a, a massive gap in the market now I never took it to the level you did yeah one of my big regrets is that I didn't start progressing properties right yeah well, there we go yeah well, well hey, done but we, to you we, we, you saw the gap and well, you went and also there.
0: we're um you know we're working together and, yeah. in in a good
1: relationship the way we are so yeah and You've got how many properties? At the moment, 70 plus a development site. So it hasn't
0: really gone that badly.
1: Let's not uh No, no, yeah. no. The first few years were a real struggle. And because, of course, there's been you bumps and- no one to
0: learn from. There was no training, no system, no yeah. mentors that yeah. you could find. Yeah, nothing. So you had to do all learning yourself, trial and mistakes error. yourself. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I was very interested reading what uh, you and Mark were saying the other day about learning from other people's mistakes and how it's better than learning from your own. Just going to ask you that. What totally you ag- on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree. One of the great things about being part of Progressive and being a trainer with Progressive is that hopefully I can share the experiences, good and bad, yes. and help people along their way a lot, lot more quickly. But yeah, I mean, I was making all the mistakes which yeah. we teach people not to make now. Yeah. Because it's inevitable that if you've got nobody looking over your shoulder, you probably going to get things wrong well if you don't know what you don't know exactly yeah i think i um, because i put that
0: post up and someone put a quote and i would never heard it before written like this but i liked it but that, that, their words not mine they said stupid people make mistakes smart people learn from their mistakes geniuses learn from the mistakes of others yeah absolutely and i, and I think it's warren buffett who said that the best way to learn again paraphrasing is by learning from the mistakes of others i call mm. it vicarious experience mm. So for example, there was a big company in the mid to late 2000s that was selling property all over the world. You all know the name of them, I shouldn't say it because I'm mm. not looking to mm. out anyone. But Mark and I knew the owner of that company very well and they had 165 million pound valuation at one point mm. and the owner turned it down for a slightly higher offer and then and they went bust. But because we got to know him quite well, we were able to have lunch with him, have communications with him and when he was going through his challenges, He was telling us all about it. Mm. And so I I felt it was a great, see, would you rather go bust yourself or would you rather be really close to someone, watch them go bust, them tell you all the things that happen that you don't want to do and make a little model. And then, so it's like some mistakes you don't want to make yourself because they could be really costly. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, totally. I mean, my very first property, which I ended up buying, was an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was in the worst part of town. I deluded myself that it was in one of the better parts of town. (laughs) It was in what we would now call the Bronx. And I was trying to kid myself that it wasn't because I was desperate to get get started, Mm. having spent sort of four years of trying to get there and not quite getting there. And within a few days of completing on this particular property, it was a pair of flats. The flat upstairs, the lady did a runner in the middle of the night and she took the kitchen with her. And you think, why would you do that? (laughs) Because it's like a cheap old wick's kitchen, not worth anything. She's just good for scrap wood, but she firewood. She took it with her. No sooner had she gone than the tenant downstairs was taken off to jail. Right. And that was my Really first.
0: selling property here. Yeah, absolutely. But,
1: but if I am going to sell it, I'd say, look, I'm still here. Yeah. I've got 70 properties. I bought my 70th property a month ago. Yeah. And around about the same time, I bought my first development site. So I'm yeah. going to be building houses going forward. But the hopefully. point you're
0: making is, if you'd have had someone to teach you, read a few books, maybe had a mentor, they could have said that's too bronxy, move a few streets away where the prices are similar, the yields are similar, but you won't have quite the same issues of tenants.
1: Yeah, and we'll never know, but maybe I'd have 170 properties. We just don't know. I mean, not that I'm dissatisfied, very happy with my lot, Mm. but it could have been slightly different. Sure.
0: So let's go back to this timeline then. So you're you're working in your job till 95 you get made redundant. Yeah. It's a blessing in disguise, but you had a little bit of a worry. Yeah. You did your first flip, made a bit of money, and then it took you about four years to... Really master money in, money out. You'd done a JV or two, so he must be now at 2,000. Yeah, How many properties you got by the year 2,000?
1: Yeah, by the end of the year 2,000, we're looking at about eight. Yeah,
0: so you'd bought about one and a half... A year, something like that,
1: one to two a year. Well, no, it wasn't quite like that. I literally started buying in 2000.
0: Right. The reason being... it's never like that, is it? It's
1: never like that. It took me a lot of prep work because I didn't know what I was doing and there was nobody to teach me. But I also made a classic mistake. I got embroiled in a deal which I should never have got embroiled in. It was the deal to end all deals, the mother of all deals. (laughs) And I found what we'd now call a HMO. Right. And because I wanted income and I wanted yield, I could see that the model, the HMO model, could work really, really well. Yeah. And the property had already been converted. It was actually quite an interesting property because it had a lot of history. But the guy who owned it, and I better not say too much in case he's listening to this podcast, he wasn't the easiest person to deal with. And I ended up negotiating with him for about two or three years to buy this property. Now you say, well, why didn't I walk away after six months or a year? Quite simply because the legal fees started stacking up. And I found myself into this property to the tune of about 20 grand. Remember, I'd been made redundant a few years before, so I didn't have an awful lot of money to chuck around, and I got sort of stuck in this deal, which in the end just petered out, mm. and I was 20 grand down. Right. Which is why, when I ended up buying, I was a little bit desperate to get started and ended up buying something perhaps I shouldn't have bought. Yeah. Moral of the story is, though, as I say, I'm still here. Yeah. Property's good. Property's is it- very forgiving, and despite that start, I think I've done quite well, really.
0: Yeah. Tracing your journey is a bit like ours, because even though we were maybe, you know, a decade or two later than yourself, there weren't that many people teaching and training in the early days. Mm. And I've got kind of like a parallel universe of my life where parts of my life I didn't get help and training and made a lot of mistakes. And then parts of my life I did where Warren Bourget was one of my early mentors. Mm. And then Mark Homer obviously was a JV partner, but he was kind of a mentor to me in the early days and he protected me. And, you know, our, our first property was overseas. Dud. So we tried to do something different. So we went to new build, dud. So we tried to do something different. So we went to Bronx, dud. So we tried to do something different. We went to HMO, dud. Because the first time you do any deal that's new to you, you don't know the specific areas. You don't know the specific tenants. You don't know the specific rules and regulations. Again, why some you know, some a community like Progressive you can use the vicarious experience of other people. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like, obviously, I mean, we, there weren't HMO trainings back when you were mm. doing your first nothing, HMO, but nothing. we have an HMO training, service accommodation
1: training, all that mm. kind of thing. Okay, so, know, something that's And up- to jump in there, I mean, that, that's why mm. I love doing the Masterclass. Yeah, Because, and I don't know whether people who come on the Masterclass actually really appreciate this, because they've got nothing to compare it mm. to. Yeah, but they
0: don't know the 30 years of history.
1: They don't know what they don't know, yeah. which is that if they, there wasn't a Masterclass, back when I was starting. And if I had had all that information in four days, it would have been completely different. Yeah. And it saves you from all of that because yeah. we teach what to avoid, avoid mm. the Bronx. Well, I yeah. went to the Bronx and it's only through trial and error. Now I can look back and say, yeah. yeah, and this is why you don't want to go to the Bronx. Yeah. But if you don't know what you don't know, you don't know. Mm. So it's very easy to sit in the classroom environment and take it all for granted. Yeah. But the trainings are fantastic because mm. it saves you so much time. So sure. it could literally save you four years. Yeah. And hundreds of thousands of pounds in mistakes. Yeah.
0: So something else you kind of called me out on when I said you bought about one and a half, two a year. Yeah. And I think I know where you're going with this. Like I mentor a lot of people on VIP and let's say they have a target of, let's just say six properties in a year or 12 because there's 12 months in VIP. So Mm. they're looking at one property every two months or one property a month. But it's never like month one, Mm. property one. Mm. Month two, property two. Mm. What it is is month three to six, loads of hard work. And you think, oh, I ain't got any properties yet. Mm. And then months 10, 11, and 12, you've got like multiple exchanges and completions happening all at the same time. Yeah. And Mark and I did this in our first year of buying property. We bought about 20 properties in our first year, which is pretty good going. Mm. But actually, we bought about 15 to 16 in the last two months just before the end of the the year, and the end of the year in property is really the second week of December. So anyone who's listening or watching on the live feed, if you've been doing it a few months, you're learning a lot, you're going out there, you're doing viewings, you're making offers, you're trying to get finance, That, that you haven't quite got that backwind and that momentum, you just have to keep going, because you, you get to this point where you break the back of it, mm. uh, and then you carry all the momentum that you had over the last six months with you, but it's very non-linear. So if you want 10 properties in a year, you might get eight of them in the last two months, and so mm. just keep going. Just keep following the process. Don't get down on yourself if you, write, you know you're following the right process, but the process isn't working yet because you have to keep you know, following the process. If you've only ever been to one PPN or if you've only ever met one JV partner, you, know, you need to go more of them, so keep following the process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this, this is why persistence, focus and having a plan are so important, but also keeping the faith. Mm. And one of the things which I've realised, particularly since coming to Progressive, is the power and the importance of mindset. Because in that four-year period, I could easily, easily have called it a day mm. at any point but I just knew there was something within me which knew that there was a way of making it work if I could just pull it together. Yeah. So when people come to me and they've only been doing it for a couple of months and they look like they're going to whine a bit, to be honest, inside I can... <laughs> them, well, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. can't really do that, yeah. but I'll take a deep breath and smile, but inside I'm thinking, don't, mm. because you just don't know, because... It's all on a plate now. The knowledge is there, there's people to talk to. Communities. People to there was no massive Facebook community. Like well there wasn't Facebook. No. There wasn't even Google. Can there you wasn't imagine even those? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. It was very, very infant. Mm. So persistence and having the plan and focusing on it and keeping going no matter what. And yeah. if things don't work out in a month or two, so what? Mm. If you're in this for the lifetime, aren't you? Yeah. Property is about a lifetime thing. And yeah. If you're doing it in five years, you'll be successful. Yes. And if you're still doing it in ten years, you're going to be doing really, really well. Mm. So just keep on going. And I think the
0: important thing is to always remember why you got into it in the first place. Because mm. you know sometimes people suffer alone. Mm. You know, they've had a downval. like you said, they've, they've put money into fees, valuations, legal fees, and then mm. they, they maybe don't get the deal or they chase mm. a not such a good deal because mm. they've spent money, up, they put a lot of time, they've put some savings in, they've done some courses and some were good and some were not so good. Everyone has that, that trough. Mm. That moment where you're like, why have I done this? Why am I doing this? Mm. This isn't working out. Everybody has that. Mm. The important thing is to go back and remember why you did it in the first place. You know, maybe you want to be on the rich list because, by the way, property is probably your best chance of getting on the Mm. rich list because, Mm. you know, the unicorn of a Facebook tech company or an Uber, yes, that might get you on the rich list. But the reality is that's a complete unicorn. But probably the most common thing on the rich list, if you look at all types of businesses over the last 100 years, not just in the last... Mm. Tech boom mm. is property, but maybe you want you know, you had pain of being made redundant, mm. and you know, you didn't your check for redundancy wasn't gonna mm. um, fund your retirement. Other mm. people they want a legacy for their children, or they want to be their own boss. When you tune back into why you did it, that'll often carry you through that trough. It's important to remember and realize you're not the only one, we mm. all have those moments. Mark and I have got a deal at the moment, it's about 90,000 square foot, and it's like it was supposed to exchange weeks ago. Mm. And you know, the vendors mo- moving the goalposts and changing you know, all the agreements and um, you know, it's getting a bit sticky and we're already probably 30, 40 grand in with architects fees mm. and all that kind of stuff. Mm. It happens. Um, mm. I'm still really confident we'll get the deal. Mm. Actually, what happens is the more successful you get, the bigger those challenges can get.
1: There they do, they do. I mean, hopefully your deal will go through, but the reality is if it doesn't and you're 40 grand out though, in five years time, you'll still be a few million quid further forward. Yes. And that's the key thing to remember. And I think quite often, Although I'm a little bit of a risk taker, and I admit that, I think we get too bogged down in looking at the risks mm. and, the, and the downside. Yeah. These things will happen. Mm. There will be points where you will lose a bit of money. Yeah. But if you keep going, you will make much more back. Mm. It's just well, part, part of the business. I have quite a lot of
0: watches, and every five years they need a service. And, um, you know, you, you want to protect them. So, I don't know, you may want a, safe, you may want a safety deposit box, blah, blah, blah. Um, you send your watch to Rolex for a little service, you get a 1,500 quid bill. And I've got a lot of watches and a lot of them have gone up a lot. Mm. But there are always these operational costs. Mm. In property, legal fees, downvals, and getting a second and a third valuation, these are all mm. what you might call entrance fee costs, or they are actual operational costs of running a property business. You can't see it like... You know that it's a complete disaster and I've got to give up because I spent 350 quid on a cheap valuation. Mm. By the same token, if you spent 20 grand on a lot of these fees, by the way, 20 grand on, these are like, we're talking massive commercial deals. You'll never mm. spend that mm. much just to get a, um, a single let through. But but you can't go chasing a deal just because you've spent money either. Mm. So, you, you know, it does the deal work? If the deal works, you know, are you, are you getting, making your end of the bargain, so you're bringing in the finance, you're, you know, you're, do, you're doing the things according to the agreement. And then if, you know, if things change and then the deal doesn't work, you've got to be able to say, no, I'll walk Mm. away.
1: But carry on in property. Mm. Yes. That's the key thing, to carry on, not just to go off and do Forex or something. Yeah. But to carry on.
0: Yeah. And not that there's necessarily anything wrong with Forex. No, no. no, Just something else. Just something else. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's go back to your story then. So we're at year 2000 now. Yeah. And I'm starting to buy. Yeah. You've got like eight properties and things. You've probably got some momentum here now. Yeah. Yeah. So take us forward the next 15 or 17 years.
1: Yeah, well, what happened after year one, totally unexpected, the bump in the road. Right. Yeah. And the bank who I was using, and remember, I'd come from a position where I'd been made redundant. In my mind, my mindset, I didn't feel I was particularly lendable. So I was amazed that a bank was lending me money. That bank said to me, Peter, we've been lending to you for a year. You've got eight properties. What we're going to do now is we're not going to lend you any more money for a year. And we're going to make sure that you know what you're doing. And if you're still here in a year's time, then we'll lend to you again. I thought, wow. Wow. Yeah. That was it, because at that time I had my goals. I wanted 50 properties, I wanted you know, the passive income, a figure in mind, and I thought, wow, I've got to eight properties and they've stopped me. Yeah. Now, anybody else would be thinking, and perhaps anybody listening to this will be thinking, well, why don't you just go to another bank? Yeah. Well, because at that point, as I say, in my mindset, I felt I wasn't very lendable, but it wasn't as, quite, it's as quick and easy as it is nowadays. Well, uh, did post- lending
0: only came in in 95, I think?
1: Yeah, and this was so 2000. and so not have stu- many lenders, would it, it? It was still relatively new. Mm. So even post-credit crunch, it's probably still a little bit easier to get the lending than it was perhaps back in year 2000, particularly with my credentials. Mm. So I went around a number of different banks, took me a few months to find a bank who had talked to me. They then sent the valuer out, had a few downvals bit of an appeal, eventually found some another bank who would then send out yet another valuer. The mm. whole thing took about 10 months to actually get some money back out, Yeah. by which time the year was almost up anyway. Right. So I ended up with a load of mortgages that actually weren't on the best terms. Then the original bank said, okay, we're open for business again, you're still here. And then I had to refinance everything again and put them back on with the other bank, right. the first bank, because the terms are better. Yeah. So that was a, a real strange year. Mm. Which at the time I thought this is a, a disaster.
0: Yeah. So, the important note on that is like, if you're in property long enough, you're going to have a year where you feel like you're not really moving forward. Yeah. You, and if, if you go through a recession, you might have two or three years. Yeah, absolutely. Where you might not feel like you're going forward. Although, sometimes in a recession, it can be the opposite and it can be great. Mm. But then you'll have other years. What's the most you bought in a year?
1: Well, that's the, the sort of counterpoint to this story. Three years later, I was buying and selling portfolios. Right. And at that point, I would have thought, mm, you know, I don't even know if I'm still going to be in property. So things change very, very rapidly. If you just kick to the system, do the, do the foundational stuff properly. Yeah. So the most I've ever done in a year, I think it was about 35. Wow. So you've had
0: some years where you've done virtually none and you're restructuring all your bank lending. Yeah, yeah. And then you have another year where you 35 in a year.
1: thats great. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was buying three portfolios. Two of those portfolios I then flipped on. Right. And are you allowed to talk about how much money you made in those? I would do. I honestly can't remember this is going back about 10 odd years. So when you but, bought and sold portfolios? Is it? Yeah, it was, a, it was a few hundred thousand pounds. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. So, so it was serious was, money. It was serious money, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, what did you do with that money? Did you reinvest it all? Did you save some? Did you spend some?
1: No, I've always reinvested. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of the toys. I don't f- quite feel I've got there yet. <laughs> so I've always reinvested. Yeah, I definitely, yeah.
0: if I would made a few
1: hundred thousand in portfolio, I'd have definitely reinvested it all. Except well, I,
0: buying one I, Ferrari, maybe.
1: <laughs> well, I had a nice trip away. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, no, the money went back into the business. Yeah, and then you're doing
0: some commercial. You're moving into the higher level deals now.
1: I am indeed, yeah, yeah. I want to uh, get into doing a little bit of uh, development, yeah. maybe redevelopment. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, I have a pub under offer. Yeah as it's a commercial one it's taking forever yes, to go through do. the system as yeah. they do but that's okay i knew that would happen yeah so we'll relax and you chill that about that.
0: you've been trained let me just say though a lot of people come to me like people i mentor on robin vip you know and they want to buy four or five commercial deals a year you know 20 30 units and they don't realize sometimes it can take a year just to get a deal agreed mm. sometimes a commercial deal can take three years end mm. to end now of course mm. it depends on the scale of the deal if you're just buying a flat over a shop mm. well that's a lot more simple so if you're moving into commercial mm. just be aware that the bigger the deal in terms of the square foot the more complications the more people you have to negotiate with if they're big big you have to negotiate with councils and planners and all sorts and so you just want to be realistic with your time frame mm. you said your first refurb Took twice
1: as long and probably Mm. went way over budget as well, I'd have thought. The budget wasn't too bad because I did a lot of the work myself, but that's why it went way over time. So there's always that quid pro quo, isn't there? Because they
0: they say in property, when you start, you know, a refurb will take twice as long and cost twice as much. Yeah, yeah. So um, you you will probably have increased costs. So just bear that in mind if you're getting into commercial or you're doing it, be realistic with the timeframes, be realistic with the costs. You know, it will take longer, it will cost more. And so to that end, you want to make sure you've got a capital strategy, like commercial, i.e., delayed lumps of money, and you want an income mm. strategy. So, Peter's got 70 by to let. So, no matter what happens with his bigger commercial deals and pubs he's going into, he'll always have his 10 grand a month. And then, of course, you do speaking and training and authoring. I do. And that all brings in some more passive income as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So, it's very important to have both. Multiple streams of income. Yes. Yes. And, of course, you teach on this very strongly, having the capital, and the income. Yeah. And as you say, the capital for me now is things like redeveloping the pub. I've also bought a plot of land which I'm going to build some houses on. Right. Which is completely new for me.
0: Yep. And, of course, you have bought the equity in the 70 properties. Mm. But, of course, that doesn't – yes, it produces income from the, the 70 properties, but that's that's capital that's locked in there.
1: Mm. For the time being, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then and then, what – you'll probably keep it consistent, note-to-value, and then when it drops, you maybe refinance and reinvest
1: some more? Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Not sure yet. Yeah. yeah. At the moment, I'm kind of more focused on what I'm doing on the pub and the development. Right. And let yeah. the bite let's set and forget sure yeah, yeah. We, 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 we we
0: try and keep our single let portfolio i don't know how many we've got now we've got a few hundred between 50 and 75% mm. so they're like our two. like an alarm will go off mm. if it gets to 75% you know or you know a bit more than that maybe there's not enough equity in there to ride out any big fluctuations or at mm. least there's a concern you go below 50 and you kind of you're wasting capital mm. because sat in a property, you can't really leverage it. Mm. So that, that's our range because I always get asked that. What well, you know? What's the ideal loan to value? Well, it depends. Yeah. It depends on your age. It depends on your area. It depends on the terms of your lender because some commercial lenders, if you go over the loan to value covenant, they'll ask for the money back. Whereas if they're just all with private banks, sorry, you know, on individual mm. mortgages, they can't mm. do that. Mm. But I just get asked that a lot.
1: Yeah. What I are your thoughts it. on that? Well, a lot of it depends on where you are in your property business. Mm. When I first started, I mean, I... 95%! <laughs>
0: we yeah,
1: well, if I could have, I would have. Yes. As in those days, it was the good old days, you could get 85% as standard. Yeah. yeah. And I was, oh, I was refinancing and refinancing <laughs> yeah. the whole time because I wanted to build my portfolio. Mm. And I realised I had to do that because... Money left in as equity was just a wasting asset, mm. it's much better to get that money back out and to use that as a deposit on the next property, yeah. so I could start you know, rolling the, the it's like a snowball effect, yes. and it, as it rolls, it gains momentum and mm. gets bigger and bigger. You start off with eight properties in your first year and then nothing happens for the next year, but then by refinancing, you go from eight to sixteen to yeah, thirty two and the yeah. money goes yeah. and as I say, by the end of it, I was buying and selling portfolios, which right. I would never ever have imagined at the beginning yeah. Why didn't you keep them all? Ah, uh, Just because you like the lumps of money? Yeah, lumps of money. It's yeah. useful to have lumps of money. I think it's good for the reasons what you teach. Have some income, have some capital.
0: Yeah. Also, I suppose if some portfolios are a bit far away, that's useful to sell if they're too far away, I guess.
1: Yeah, and they weren't all necessarily brilliant properties, yeah. but but uh, I got them at a price which made sense. Yeah. But they weren't necessarily ones I was going to lose sleep sure. over if I sold them. And there's nothing wrong with selling the odd property, no. is there? I mean, I, I mean, you know, our favourite holding period is forever, of
0: course. Mm. But if let's say you have a portfolio of ten properties, mm. I thought maybe we were talking about this with you uh, on your Cayman session. But you can have one. Yes, we were. You've got one little yes. property that's like taking all your time and all your oh, energy and absolutely. all the money and yes. dealing with. Interesting people. Yes. Yeah. So sometimes you can have one property in the portfolio. You're actually just best getting rid of it.
1: Yeah. Well, we worked out that one property represents 1.4% of the portfolio. And takes up how much time? Well, 99% of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I assume we agreed to sell it. We did agree yeah. to sell it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And because and, and you know, no two properties are the same. Mm. I mean, even you know, because you might have a property's next door, but you might have a different tenant. Mm. Um, so yeah, so nothing wrong with selling every now and again.
1: No, 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 no. Mm. I mean, as a general rule, I think you do want to hold. And I think we've probably all got stories of regretting the ones that we have sold. Some of the ones we've sold. Yeah, thankfully, but me, not too many, because I haven't sold many. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the right thing to do. But. As a general rule, it's not a hard and fast rule, general no. rule, I think you want to hold them. Well, I put a post in the progressive community and there was
0: over 320 responses when I last looked. And I just asked, when did you buy your first property? What did you buy it for? And um, what's it worth now? Mm. And some people are buying properties for like 16 grand mm. and they're worth a quarter of a million now or something mm. like that. Mm. So if you've been in property long enough, you see the pain of selling properties yeah. when you've seen them go through a good couple of cycles. And then when you've seen that, because we're now just experiencing because what we're in ele- our 11th year mm. so we're just experiencing properties that have doubled in value, because mm. until you've seen that, you're not really sure yeah. and you think, oh 25 grand, 30 grand, what oh, I could do with that right now, oh, I'll mm. sell it." Mm. But then when you've seen a, mm. a whole decade mm. and there was 65 and now they are 135 and they're going for 135, you're like, <gasps> shouldn't have sold them."
1: So. Yeah, yeah, you've got to make sure if you are going to sell them that you're using the money more efficiently yes. and effectively. yeah reinvest it, yeah yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Otherwise, you will be kicking yourself in 10 years' time.
0: Yes. Now, look, we could speak forever, Peter, but um, I've got a little golf appointment with Bobby. Okay. um, So, the
1: secret. The secret, Rob. Yes. Yeah, is that I'm going to be doing the Progressive Property Podcast going forward. Yes, so you're going to be the host. I am. Which is very
0: exciting. So, if you're watching the live feed... Please, A, say congratulations to Peter. Thank you. uh, But B, if you suggest anything you'd like Peter to talk about. So Peter's quite happy. You're quite happy to do episodes and share your experience where you've got it. Yeah, absolutely. And you're quite happy to interview people like myself where we've got some good people to interview. Of course. So, of course, we want to deliver on the Progressive Property Podcast what you want to hear. So if you're watching on the live feed now, just post below. Tell us what kind of content you'd like us to discuss. We're going to be doing one on whether you should...
1: Have an interest-only mortgage and
0: pay it down. Yeah, whether you should pay your mortgage down or not, or whether you should have interest-only or capital repayment mortgages. Mm. I've got some great guests that we're going to be lining up to be interviewed. If you're listening to the audio podcast, email me at rob.more at progressiveproperty.co.uk with your suggestion of what you'd like us to cover, or come and join us in the Progressive Property Community on Facebook which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash progressive property community and come and suggest there what you'd like us to cover because ultimately this podcast is for you, for us to solve your problems and help you start and scale your portfolio. So, Peter, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for being the new host for the Progressive Property Podcast. Thank you
1: for asking me. Very Um, honoured and humbled. I'd love to come back and
0: be interviewed by you sometime. Oh, I'd love to do that. All right, Peter, um, and well done on all your success. Thank you. Just to leave us, have you ever done any JVs, you know, those 70 properties? Have you ever used other people's money to build that portfolio?
1: Uh, not exactly. I've kind of used my money in JV to build the portfolio. So you've done a JV people. initially,
0: and then when you've made profit, you've reinvested it?
1: Yeah, with with other JV partners who've helped me build the portfolio. Yeah. So in a
0: way, it's, they've all been from JVs. Because if the first one from, was from a JV, and they all came from the first one...
1: Well... Absolutely. Because being made redundant, I literally had no money of my own. Right. And you hear stories about people who started with no money yes. and they build these portfolios. And I know that there's a lot of hype and people say, oh, it's not true. Yeah. I literally had to do that because so I, I. had nothing. I had nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like you have two choices. You have two When you
0: yeah. have no money in the bank, you have two choices. Yeah. Find another way, JVs, leverage, no money down, or don't buy any houses. Exactly. And I know which one I prefer. Yeah.
1: So oh. every single one of my properties, a bit like you say about your properties, are uh, really no money down to yeah. me because none of it has actually been my money. And that's the great thing about property because your portfolio of 50, 100
0: or 200 properties ultimately comes from your first one. Because mm. you make a bit of property, you refinance it, you get a two deposit, You take one, make some money to to, to money back out, two, mm. money back out, four, mm. money back out, eight, mm. and so you go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, Peter, thank you very much. Thank you.